Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, Life Uncloseted family, it's time once again for Life Uncloseted, the space where we play to come out of the closets of our lives and to really go be who we are in the world. And oh, it's just, it's so exciting when you see and get to meet people who they're letting that closet door just fly wide open and they're truly standing in the presence and the power of who they're meant to be in the world. And sometimes it isn't what everybody else thinks. It isn't how everybody else would be able to like wrap their head around things. And then sometimes it's coupled with some really beautiful music and how they choose to show up as an artist. And I'm going to invite all of you, including myself, (laughs) to be very open as you listen to today's podcast, because I'm going to let you know some of your own implicit biases are going to start showing up as we dive into this today. And this has been one of the most challenging journeys for me only because we see something, we perceive something and then we're like, Oh yeah, we're going to say, we're going to identify them as he, she, whatever. And I'm going to invite you to just realize there's a whole lot of they and thems out there in the world. And they're just people on the planet, just like the rest of us. So today I'm introducing you to a songwriter, performer, singer who has done some beautiful work. They have brought their stuff to the world in their own way. Their name is Jesse De Silva. They've got an amazing new album out called Hover. And this is where, as you guys who listen to my podcast know, this is kind of where Rick shuts the fuck up and we go, let's get on with the music and let's get on with the show. So, uh, Jesse, I think you're out there somewhere listening to me talk and going, when is he going to shut the fuck up? So welcome to the podcast, (laughs) man. I'm glad to have you here. So um, thank you for being you. Thank you. And showing up in the world the way that you're meant to. So, um, okay, it's your show now. I'm I'm shutting up. Take it and run with it. Okay, Jesse. Oh, gosh. (laughs) um i'm kidding so tell us a little bit about let's let's kind of start with the music and then we'll back into you know your gender fluid non-conforming all that sort of stuff but i'm really interested in the music because i feel like the music probably extends from how you identify is that a correct assumption yeah i mean you know it's my belief as a songwriter that the only way you can really connect with listeners is rather than trying to be vague and generic and universal, trying to just tell your story from your perspective, right? Because I think um, whether we want to or not, our identity and how we live, move through the world comes out in whatever we do, whether that's, you know, sort of nine to five career or a musical creative career. So yeah, I think gender identity, um, sexuality, are those are definitely themes that are present in in my music and they're definitely on the record. 
um, as well as themes about mental health and themes about sort of um, and religious upbringing and things like that. But I think a lot of those things, um, even that aren't overtly about gender identity, end up intersecting with gender identity and sort of what my experience has been. And as those things started to intersect and, and before we came on the podcast, Jesse and I were talking about this and, and my question was, when did this when did this really become apparent in your own mind? And, and as a gay man, I know for me, it became apparent in my own mind at a very young age, but I didn't know what, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't know, you know, what it was. And you said something when I asked that question, you, you said, I didn't have the words to put on this. And I think that's yeah, what a lot well, of people are today is they're trying to put the right words on this, so to speak. Yeah, because it's, it's, it is not the same as sexuality, you know, like I, I joke sometimes that I had to come out twice, you know, because when I was a teenager, before I really had figured out um, how I felt in terms of gender identity, I came out as gay um, to my family, um, mm -hmm. because all I knew was that I was raised uh, and socialized to be, to identify as male. And I know that I was attracted to other people who identified as male. Um, but gender identity is, I think, complicated in a different way because it's not just who you're attracted to. Um, and it's not even um, necessarily tied to, always tied to the, it's also about how you see yourself and how you move through the world and how you experience your own sense of gender. Um, so yeah, I mean, as a little kid, I think both things mm -hmm. were sort of there, the, the attraction to masculine people and the not feeling like um, the traditional idea of what a boy was supposed to feel like. I right. think those were both kind of floating around since I was very, very little. And I even, I have a song on the record called Queen of the Backyard, where I sort of talk about I try to sort of revisit what it was like when I was little and I could just be weird, but but I was young enough that I didn't know I was weird yet. You know, mm -hmm. like before I realized that I was different, when it was right. just me, I was an only child, hadn't gone to school yet, you know, preschool, when I was just running out around the backyard with a blanket, like a cape, pretending I was a, a, a sorceress or a witch or something and mm -hmm. playing make-believe. Um, so that was sort of there from the beginning. And I think for me, you know, as I mentioned, the sexuality thing sort of became more apparent in, in high school. Um, I was in high school in the late 90s. And so sort of gayness was starting to sort of enter into the mainstream. Right. Um, but it wasn't really until adulthood. Um, I, I teach I teach singing lessons. Um, at, at a college and conservatory level. Um, and just a few years back, I started noticing that more and more of my students were identifying outside of the gender binary. And I was, I found myself learning so much from these students. And it started out with me sort of wanting to make sure that I respected their pronouns and that I right. got it right. Um, but the more that I learned, the more I was like, oh, this feels familiar like this feels like it's sort of like um 
I don't want to throw out a reference that's too obscure, but if anyone knows that uh, musical, the the musical of Fun Home, mm, um, mm-hmm. it's uh, Alison Bechtel's uh, yep. Fun Home. There's a song in there called Ring of Keys, where she sort of talks about as a little kid seeing this butch lesbian with her ring of keys and her combat boots and that sort of aha moment of like, I don't know what this is, but it feels right. right. And um, that was sort of what I experienced from a lot of my my college age students. And that was really what sort of set me on the path of kind of, okay, is this an identity that I feel like I can claim um, and, and all of that, so. Mm-hmm. So what was it that felt right? That's such a, I, I love how you just described that, but I'm curious what felt right to you. Um, you know, I, it's interesting cause I still think in some ways I'm still exploring my gender and I think that's good. I think that our, our identity, our identities are always evolving yep. and they're never fixed. I think that when I was very little, um, when I would play, when I would mm-hmm. play make believe, yep. I really was seeing myself, I was envisioning myself as, as a girl, because again, as a little kid growing up again in a conservative Christian household in the eighties, my frame of reference was there's male and female. And I was like, I know I don't feel masculine. Um, I know that doesn't feel right. So I played with femininity. Um, But I think what, I think that, and that never went away, but I also never fully felt like, oh, um, I, I, um, I never felt trans in sort of the binary yep. sense of transness. I never felt like I was in the wrong body. Mm-hmm. I never felt like um, I, I didn't specifically feel um, like I wanted to claim uh, femininity in the yep. sense of identifying as a woman. And so when I started to see that there were people who were embracing and encompassing not either or, and not Mm -hmm. even, honestly, for me, it's not even neutrality. It's not gender neutral, but it's sort of gender uh, fullness, sort of, sort of encompassing all the different colors of what gender can be. That was what felt right to me. Um, and, And it sort of began... You know, it took me a while to really take up space and say, okay, these are my pronouns. Um, And I eventually uh, went through a name change as well. That took a while. But in the very beginning, one thing I knew was that it didn't feel good for me when people said, when people would say things like, you're a great guy, or "You're, you're a man. Like I didn't, those words felt they made me cringe. I, I was like, I don't know. In a way, I don't know what I am, but I know what I'm not, you know? Right. Well, I've, I've had other people I've had this similar conversation with and the pronoun seems confining. Yeah. Like it's black or white. You're either this or this. And it's mm-hmm. so interesting to be with people in this space and be around people who like, <laughs> I don't know how to be with people in this space. Well, it's because it's, I'm going to use the word simply, mm-hmm. which it's not. It, it does take a lot of rewiring our thinking, but it's simply about thinking, okay, well, how often do you say, well, they went there? It, well, sometimes you say that and you don't even realize you said that. And it is about a singular person. 
Yeah. And other times you may, you may just use the pronoun, but you don't realize we do this a whole lot more. Now, I also know that this is where people get in their fucked up heads. Like, well, yeah, but they need to pick a lane. I'm like, no, there is yeah. no lane, so to speak. It's like, you know, I just, ironically, earlier today, I was having a conversation with somebody who's bisexual and he said, you know, the hardest part, and he happens to be an actor in Hollywood. <clears throat> he goes, the hardest part is I really want to talk about this. I really want to yeah. talk more about this, but my agent's like, no, you need to keep this under wraps and da, 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 da. And he goes, I don't know why everybody has so much of a problem with a sexuality and gender and all this sort of stuff, but they want you to be you. <laughs> yeah. You can't be you. If you're being told you be you, but you can't be this part of you, you know? And I know that yeah. all of us who play in these, this LGBTQIA, all this space that we play in, this is always where it comes down to the core of the thing is, okay, well, yes, be you, but don't be that part of you. Yeah. Or be you or, but, but, I, but, but be my idea of you because right. I need to be able to, I need to be able to put you in a box so that I can understand you. And I think sometimes it's okay. Um, this might be a controversial thing to say, but I think sometimes it's okay to accept and embrace someone and not fully understand 100% what their experience is. I, I think that empathy is something I really value um, as a human being and a songwriter right. and a teacher. But, but I think at the same time, as much as I can empathize with people, there are certain parts of people's experience that I can't fully embrace. I don't know, I can't empathize fully with the experience of what it means to be a, a black or person of color Mm -hmm. um, in our society. Right. I can, right. I can empathize as much as possible, but right. I can't fully understand it. And that's okay. You know, right. I don't, it's not like, because I can't understand it, I shouldn't be able to, um, sort of deal with people who, who, are, who are, um, BIPOC, you know, right. like, I think that it's okay for someone to say, I don't really understand what it means to be non-binary. Right but I, but I see you and I'm trying to see you right. the way that you want to be seen. Um, well, the way I always address it, Jesse, is I can walk down the street and somebody can look at me and I'm a big, tall, six foot four, 300 pound guy. And nobody's going to know I'm gay. Mm -hmm. They're going to know I'm a white guy walking down the street with a bald head mm -hmm. and there's probably an assumption like he's just a big bruiser guy. Right. Mm -hmm. But I can't, I can't relate to my friends of color except in one space mm -hmm. that we're both marginalized communities. Yeah. I, there's the common ground. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously I can relate to a person of color who's gay, lesbian, bi, whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's another common ground, but in general, I can't put my, I can't insert myself into their experience, except in those little tiny crossroads where we yeah. cross. And I, I love what you just said about the empathetic piece. And this was where I, I got really frustrated when I first started doing this work. And I was on several panels years ago with some individuals who were trans individuals. And I had to like watch my mind do the adjustment, right? Because a couple of the people were, you know, male to female transitions and 
So they definitely had their Adam's apple and everything like that. So I had to like, wow, I have to like get my head wrapped around this, but I knew it wasn't anything to do with sexuality. I mean, I had done this work long enough. I was like, this has nothing to do with whether they want dick or pussy, right? Mm -hmm. It's like who they are. But it was always very frustrating when, and you know, we spoke at colleges and universities. So I tried not to get super frustrated because I knew the younger minds were just, they're trying to figure this out. Mm-hmm. But when it's like, so are, are you into men or are you into women? I'm like, great kind of question, but it isn't what's dro- driving where they are. It'd yeah. be like me saying, okay, so come on, Jesse, you know, are you still into guys? Yeah. Okay. That's a, fine. You know, I could say, so do you identify as gay, but that mm-hmm. isn't what's driving who you are. No. At least what, what I've heard you say so far, that's not the driver. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that, um, I mean, for me, I like to often use the term just queer because for me yes. that encompasses a whole, there are lots of different ways to be queer. Um, and, you know, uh, so yeah, for me, it is, I think my sexuality is part of, not not necessarily the driving force of who I am, but I think it's, it's part of my experience. So of course um, it has an impact on, again, how I move through the world. Um, how I, you know, what spaces I feel, I have to feel out sort of um, what spaces feel safe to talk about my partner and Mm -hmm. drop his pronouns as he, Mm -hmm. because when I move in, um, I also know that people are reading me as male, even Mm -hmm. though that's not my uh, gender. And so, yeah, there's this constant sort of, um, I think navigating that that folks uh, of of all different queer intersecting identities have to do, right? But I think you're right. Like that that the the two things are not um, tied inexplicably to one another. Sort of who I'm attracted to and how I identify are not one and the same. Right. Um, they overlap sometimes, but they're but they are two sort of independent things. And a lot of people, you know, again, like you mentioned this isn't necessarily anyone's business, but um, I do know a lot of people who, when they do um, decide to decide to, when they do um, take the step to own their gender identity and um, transition, whatever that means, a lot of times people's ideas that they had of what their sexuality is um, can change because mm-hmm. as, they, as you start to see yourself differently or give yourself permission to see yourself differently, sometimes that affects how you relate to others, um, mm-hmm. not just in a social way, but also in a sexual way. So it's- But so many um, people are, it's so interesting. I know you know this, but I, just because I, I feel like this is a very important part of the conversation. So many people get hung up about the sex aspect that they mm-hmm. can't see the other pieces. Oh, so you're gay. So, so you're gay. So you like getting fucked up the ass. Well, I know Mm -hmm. a lot of heterosexual people who like getting fucked up the ass too. So, you know, I'm sorry. You just, you kind of, you kind of miss there, you know, they, they also get, I think hung up on when someone appears to them and, and um, is open about the fact that they are trans or gender non-conforming in whatever way. I think people also get hung up on, wanting to understand like but sometimes you hear like but what are you really you know right um 
or like, you know, people are very hung up on, again, I think it's really just, I don't know that it's people are obsessed with sex and genitals so much as people want to be able to put you in a box. Yes, that's exactly it. People don't like when they can't, um, when they can't make assumptions about you and presumptions, people get really uh, uncomfortable with that. And I think that's unfortunate because I, I also think that, um, I mean, you know, I didn't come on to, to preach about dismantling gender, but I think that if we can find ways to decenter um, a binary sense of gender, I think it is good for cis people too, because I think there's a lot of ex- expectations that society places on someone, even if they were assigned male at birth and still identify as male. There are these expectations of masculinity and what are, they're, they're made up, you know? Mm-hmm. They're not scientific, mm-hmm. they're not biological, they're just ideas of what society thinks a man or a woman should be. And so I think for me, decentering a binary sense of gender isn't just about making myself and people like me feel safe. It's also, I think about um, making everyone feel a little bit less oppressed by these restrictions that uh, have been placed on them. But find it interesting. You said you're not, you didn't want to come on here to like, you know, break down the whole gender thing, but I think it's important to have the conversation Mm -hmm. simply because if we don't have the conversation, this is going to continue to be a uninformed space. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason that we still have the challenges we do in the queer community. And even, Mm -hmm. even within our own queer community, we have these challenges. Yeah. And sometimes within our own queer community, I almost feel like they're even bigger than sometimes out in the outside world. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not a sociologist or an anthropologist, but it's my impression just from like living in the world and, and interacting with people that when people are marginalized and oppressed, um, there is often a sense when those people get any sort of foothold of acceptance from the larger community to then yep. turn around and find a way to put another group beneath them um, for whatever it's worth. I think that we've we've been seeing that a lot in the past few years, those of us who are paying attention within the LGBTQ community in terms of not just transphobia, but also racism in the LGBTQ community. It's like, we're still finding ways to put these divisions um, between ourselves where as as marginalized people. And um, that is unfortunate, I think. It's more than unfortunate. I think it's it's pretty fucked up. <laughs> well, it is. And and even if you can't understand it, it brings me back to, and this is where I get in my defensive mode of, okay, just because you can't understand it, how is it affecting your life? You know, how yeah. does this, how is this keeping you awake at night in your own home? Mm-hmm. I hope to God you're not spending that much time thinking about me because I sure the hell I'm not thinking about you that much. You know, and that's usually when I get in my bitchy space with people. It's like, 
totally. you kind of need to get over this because you know what? I'm not thinking about you around this sort of stuff. This seems know? a lot more like a you issue than a me. It, issue. Yeah, exactly. Sort of, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So as you've been on this awakening journey, mm-hmm. where did the music start to really, I mean, you, you know, you said you teach singing and everything, but where did the two crossroads happen? Was, was the music because of this? Was it suddenly a piece of the puzzle that you're like, okay, I'm going to bring this more into the music. Where did that start to happen for you? Well, I think again, even before I had the language, I, I do think that music has always been, um, you know, I've been, I've been a musical being since I was a little kid. Um, I Mm -hmm. started, you know, my parents would say that I sang before I, before I started talking, Mm -hmm. you know, that I I would be in the car seat in the back of the car and they would hear me like singing some, some song from church or something. My dad was a a minister. Um, And I think in some ways music always felt like a way that I could explore gender. Um, I'm not sure quite how to, it seems like a a crazy thing to say that like even growing up in the church and singing religious music that somehow I still felt like I was able to explore gender. But I think a lot of the um, singers that I was interested in were often female identifying singers. Um, And so sometimes I would be like, oh, well it's music. So I can sing this song that, um, you know, uh, when I was little, you know, of course, Christian music. So, right, you know, right. like Amy Grant or Amy Grant or Sandy Pat, my favorite contemporary Christian right. divas. Um, went to college. Um, I studied opera for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sang for a while um, as a countertenor, which is when someone who doesn't identify as female sings using falsetto up in the, in that register. So I was singing sort of these soprano uh, roles um, that were written originally for, for men or people who identified as men. And so that felt like a space where I was like, oh, I, I get to kind of sing where women sing, but I also am playing these operatic roles that are masculine. And that sort of dichotomy felt really fun to me you know that Mm. sort of idea that you know whoever said that low you know like that a deep sound means masculine and a high sound means feminine you know do you uh do you listen to a cello or a trumpet and and do they have a gender when you hear them so why should a voice so i think it's it's always been there um you know in in high school i started to write music before college, before I sort of got into the classical music thing. And um, and I hadn't written music for a really long time, all through college. Um, you know, I'm still processing in therapy why I stopped for a while. Right. I, you know, I had, a, I had a relationship for a really long time that I think I, I felt like I was, um, for one reason or another, not really allowed to really be who I was in that relationship just a bunch of things were kind of stifling that side of my creativity. Um, But I I started writing songs again, really around the time that I started to really own my gender identity. And so I think the way I read that is that I think to create in that way, 
Mm -hmm. to really create from scratch you know it's not to say that singing someone else's music isn't creative but to write to pull a song out of yourself and write it i think you have to be um able to kind of look at yourself in the mirror you like you can't be too afraid to like confirm you are and so i think that maybe i just wasn't in that place until i started to really work through my gender identity Mm-hmm. Um, and so, as you work, as you work through it, I'm curious, what's one of the things you feel like, you know, I'm going to sound like somebody who would not know how to talk about this. So you went from being a guy to being neutral, but what is <laughs> something you feel like you've gained by being, and now I'm going to step back into like how I know to ask this. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like you've gained by just being who you are? I think a sense of, um, that's a really good question. That's a hard question. I'm trying to think of like a really like silly, trivial answer. I, f- I mean, so many things. I think in, in a way it feels like a sense of wholeness. I feel like for a long time I was splitting myself into parts and sort of taking one part and kind of shoving it aside or, or only feeling like I could explore certain parts of myself in certain ways and certain spaces. Um, I was talking to, um, I'm in a a training course for this sort of somatic practice called Alexander Technique, which is something that uh, is used a lot in theater and music and stuff. And one of my teachers also teaches Tai Chi. And uh, in class the other night, um, she was talking about yin and yang Mm -hmm. as being sort of like, two sides of the same whole. And I think I even said to her after that, I was like, you know, I just had this realization that my very limited sort of pop culture knowledge of what yin and yang meant was like, oh, they're two opposites. They're polar opposites, like black and white, male and female. And then after that class, I was like, no, like they're they're complementary sides, but they are in and of themselves a whole. And to me, that's what, for me, my experience, that's what being non-binary feels like. It feels like um, a wholeness and a bringing together of things that I felt like before I had to keep segmented. Mm. That was a really long answer. I hope that makes sense. No, it makes complete (laughs) sense. And that's why I asked it because I I feel like there are people who really need to like hear that kind of an explanation because it opens the doorway to being more empathetic. It's like really starting Mm -hmm. to understand how someone sees this. And I know there's a lot of people as they've inter, you know, interacted and gotten more comfortable with our transgender brother and sisters that you have to start somewhere. And I remember when I first started speaking in colleges and universities uh, on panels where there was, so I, I spoke with PFLAG a lot. And so mm-hmm. there would be the people that are like, okay, let's see gay all right, so I, I'm not quite grabbing that, you know? And then there were the people who were like, okay, lesbian, I'm going. And then suddenly within a couple of years after I started speaking on those panels and stuff, we were never ca- talked about the gay lesbian so much. Now suddenly it was, was the transgender and the gender non-conforming and the non-binary because we weren't quote unquote, so to speak, the conversation of the day until yeah yeah until 
okay, we get into that. And then of course there was always the student who's like, okay, well, I I'm, I'm wrapping my head around this, but so what's your sexuality? Which was fine that they would ask that yeah. simply because now that always was the signal to me. Like, okay, we have, we have gotten somewhere new. I don't know what it matters. Yeah. But I knew that was, again, like you said, it's, it's a way of putting somebody into a box, you know? And I remember years ago, yeah. I don't know where, I don't even remember when I interviewed um, Jeffrey Marsh. He was probably one of the very, very first gender non-conforming people I had on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And we had this similar conversation, but that was years and years ago. And I said, so what's yeah. a question that bother, bothers you the most and um, about, you know, how you show up in the world? And he goes, mm -hmm. it's about the sex. It's always about, <laughs> you know, it's always about the sex. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I get it. Because it, yeah. do you ask a heterosexual person like, so what do you enjoy about sex? It's almost like that's almost the underlying yeah. question, you know? So I'm I'm so glad you well, answered that the way you did. I think it's because we make cis and heterosexual the default. So we don't even have to ask that. We just see people in the world and we assume that they are one one or both of those two things. Mm -hmm. I think that's why no one asks them. It's it's not um which doesn't make it any less fucked up. It, right. In fact, more. But I think it's it's like we it's suddenly our idea of what we assume is true about every human being right. is not. And we're like, but now I need to know. I can't, I can't just be okay with, with knowing that, that there are people out there who aren't cis and straight. I have to know what that means. And I have to be able to um, sort of put into a box. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's how we learn it's how it's sort of one of the shortcomings of just language and especially like in Western, like English speaking language because mm -hmm. we learn as little kids, um, you know, you learn mama, mama right. is not dada. Right. You learn cat, cat is not dog, right? And so you learn things by saying, this is this, not that. And so that's why we're, we, we, we learn binaries from a really right. early age. We learn boy, not girl. Right. Um, but I mean, I've even you know, been talking it's to my little niece about this. Yeah. So go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, I, it's just I, I have an, um, I have three little nibblings, um, two nieces and a nephew, and they're all under five. <laughs> and my oldest niece, uh, I think she's about four right now. Um, she really struggles she really um and and she she she's not learning it from her mom she's learning it from the kids at daycare mm, right she's learning it from or she's honestly even from just like watching tv or pop culture she really wants to she's really hung up on making sure she knows who's a boy and who's a girl and even though she hears my pronouns all the time she still has learned that you know because i have a beard because i look a certain way that those are the traits that make me a boy. And, um, right. you know, it's, it's, it's incredible to me watching that and knowing how good of a job my sister's doing with those kids. It's amazing how pervasive it is and how, how young they learn and how they learn from more than just their parents. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's all around us. And, but it's very similar 
to when the subject matter comes up. And I'm, I met a guy a few years ago at a conference and really bonded with him. And I found myself very sexually attracted to him. Mm-hmm. And there was like a flirtation that ha- happened. <clears throat> and then he said, you know, I'm asexual. I'm like, well, no, how would I know that? It's not yeah. like you have it branded on your head, right? And so that was another one of those like, stepping into even that kind of a definition, you know? And it's interesting that these fringe, quote unquote, fringe terminologies, they've actually been with us hundreds of thousands of years. Mm -hmm. But suddenly the modern world that's supposed to be so modern, if you don't fit into this box, this box, or this box, it just doesn't matter. And I remember a few years ago, one of my clients that started working with me he was trying to like navigate, okay, am I gay or what's going on? And it wasn't because he was fighting it. He was more like, I don't know where I want to say I fit right now. Yeah. And he said, I don't want to just say I'm bisexual, but he goes, I don't want to also say that I'm gay. And he goes, it's just that I've experienced both and I'm not sure I'm ready to put a label on. I said, so what if you don't? Yeah. So what if you don't, and what if you just say whatever, whatever comes up in the moment? So he left that session and and he's a very smart guy. I mean, he's a very smart guy. He came back the next week and he goes, you know, what you said at the end of the last session actually was really amazing. I'm like, I've seen 20 clients since you. I don't really exactly remember exactly what I said. So I said, how so? And what was it that I said? He goes, just be in the moment with it. And he goes, I was talking to a friend of mine. And he was starting to like, we had done this thing where it's like, who's your inner circle? Who's the next circle? Who's the next circle that you want to talk to this stuff about, right? Because I talked to a friend of mine that happened to be in my inner circle. And I finally decided to go there with him. And he said, I wasn't sure how I wanted to say it because I didn't want to say I'm gay. I didn't really want to say I was bi. I just wanted to like, hey, there's something going on. And he goes, so I just said to him, I said, so I'm dating a guy and that's just where I am right now. And I yeah. thought that's really powerful. That's just yeah. where I am right now. And I, yeah. I feel like m- the more we have these conversations, Jesse, the more we continue to put this out there, whether it's through your music or through the conversation where there's lots of variables, people, <laughs> there's yeah. lots of variables. If you want to at least acknowledge there's variables, you know, mm-hmm. and I think that's the biggest challenge for most people is, they don't know how to embrace the variables, so to speak. And then they get really yeah, hung I think up. People, I mean, it's crazy. Well, and again, like even people, you know, I think we, well, I don't like to make assumptions about universal narratives, but I think most folks, regardless of their gender, regardless of their sexuality, have moments in life where they feel like they don't know who they are. Yes. And I think that we feel like we need to rush to put a name to it, or we have to rush to come to some sort of conclusion and be able to say, this is my identity. This is who I am. Like, even if that's a career, if it's, um, you know, if it's a religion, if it's whatever. And I think again, that the power in what we're talking about today is that it goes beyond sort of gender identity and experiences. And it's just sort of like invites people, like you said, to be okay with 
being in flux and to be okay with like not having to define everything and to be to just try to be more present in the moment and be like this is where i'm at right now that's cool that's okay it is cool and i and i think that's such a beautiful space to kind of come full circle here because the more you can be in flux and i'm hoping if 2020 taught us most anything it's like how to be in flux and not how to not know what the fuck is going on (laughs) it opens our minds it truly opens our minds and i don't know that some people will ever get there because they have to know they have to know the box they Mm -hmm. have to know where somebody fits you know and even again back to the conversation i was having earlier with this other guy and he's like it's really tough at times because i really want this other piece of myself to be known but then people are like, well, okay, so, so you're bisexual. So are you into a woman right now? Or are you into a man? He's like, I just happen to be what I am, you know? And he goes, you know, I dated yeah. a girl and then, and then I was, I'm dating a guy. And, you know, I don't know if it's going to, where it's going to go. I could, it could be, I'm with this guy and it's where I'm at. But, you know, and I remember coming right after I came out, these were the questions I got all the time. So you were married to a woman and you have two kids. So you obviously, you know, you obviously had sex with her. I'm like, yeah. But you say you're gay. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. So, okay. You want to call me by, call me by, but I know what my preference is, you know, and I'm still not in the realm of never again, never again. Am I going to touch a vagina? No, I'm not in that realm, but I'm not also like, who knows? Yes, yeah, who knows? And I think that's the thing that's so interesting is when we allow ourselves to be open into these spaces, as much as it drives the other people batty, I know for <laughs> me that the more open I am in these spaces, the better off I am in my life. The better mm-hmm. off I am to re- be able to be in a conversation like we're having today. And yes, I'm always very cognizant when I step into these kind of conversations because I know I'm going to fuck up somewhere along the way. I may say, well, mm-hmm. you know, how do you feel about this? And you know, what's up, man, or something like that. But I also give myself a lot of grace and forgiveness there. You know, and if anybody wants yeah. to go back and listen to my, <laughs> go back and listen to my interview with Jeffrey, there was a whole, I mean, that was a long time ago. And I'm like, I didn't know how to do this, but even now it's like, okay, I don't know how to do this, but I'm willing to go be there. And I think that's at the end of yeah. the day, this is what we're trying to invite people to is just yeah. step into the space. Yeah. And I think that's important too, is like giving yourself a little grace and, um, and trying to, to sort of respect people and trying to, to sort of get it right. But also, you know, giving yourself the grace of being able to say like, okay, I don't get it, but I'm like open to learning and I'm open to sort of, um, sharing other people's experiences whenever I can. Right. And I know, you know, I guess one of the best ways you guys can't see Jesse, but you'll see pictures of them on the site and one of the things that i would say is they're very attractive they are a very attractive person (laughs) and they're very handsome so there you go and now i put handsome in there but i also see a side where they are very pretty as well because i've seen some of the other photos of you and i'm like oh yeah that's that's very beautiful so i think that's the stuff that if somebody could do that they could do what i just didn't go okay i want to say he i want to say she but Mm-hmm. practice in your own little space take somebody who is in this world maybe somebody you really admire 
Brad Pitt, I don't care, whomever, pick somebody, Oprah, whatever, and try to talk about them without their, quote, gender assigned role that you see them as mm -hmm. and practice it. Because that's something I did. I started to practice it. And the more I practiced it, the easier it became. Because we are so yeah, socialized I mean, into this. This is, I think this is what every yeah. gender non-conforming person I've ever had a conversation with or gender neutral or however we want to put this in the frame. They will say, we know this is a different way to relate. And so we kind of forgive you because we've all been socialized mm -hmm. this way. And I mess up sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the socialization is really, really strong. And so it's, I, it's not strong. like I never fuck up people's pronouns. Right. Um, and when I first, and when I first really came out, I would mess up my own pronouns. Yeah. Like I, I was, it, I had to get used to, even though it felt <sighs> right, it was just not how I was raised or socialized so yeah, yeah I you, think everyone you, has you haven't gotten my pronouns included. right yeah you haven't called me she her it yet so you know i'm kidding i'm kidding but um anyway so jesse tell us again the name of the album the name of the album is hover and where can people find it and listen to it uh it's it's on pretty much every major streaming platform um you can get it on spotify apple music google play title um I also have a Bandcamp page if that's um, a, yeah. a medium that you use. So it's it's pretty much anywhere you can get online awesome. streaming music. Very cool, yeah. very cool. And we will have all the ways to get to Jesse and to the music and to showcase them in every way that we can. Thank you for being part of this and this great. Just I love bringing these kind of conversations to the world. Yeah. And hopefully making the world a more empathetic, warm, welcoming, open-minded space. So thanks again for being here. Thank you. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about and you just might help change a life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, We'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted, and never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.